I'm Blake. Dave Torres Musma. He's Amos, and he practiced that. I'm probably still mispronouncing it, but who's going to Let's know? review everything. Actually, I bet we probably have one listener who knows and will call me on it. Welcome to Let's Review Everything, a podcast where we review everything. This is the last episode of season one. Today, joined with always the beautiful, the young, the lean, Mr. Amos Rumford. Well, I'll take the other two, but lean is really stretching it. And the leanest, the meanest, Cousin Rumford himself, Mike, is here as well joining us. How are you, Mike? Dude, doing great. Happy to be back. Um, I love the past couple episodes of the podcast that I listened to. I literally was... uh, So I just moved and I was reorganizing everything in my kitchen, which is not a fun job when you like literally have all the spices out. And, um, and I put the chain restaurants episode, uh, on as I was doing all of this. And not only did it make it an absolute pleasure, but I was like yelling back at it. Like I was a participant because I had so many strong opinions. Um, I was a little sad that I couldn't join, but, uh, it was absolutely excellent. So I'm glad keep up the great work. Um, I I think it's going to be, kind of tough to fill up the time we have today reviewing something <laughs> right. that you guys aren't very passionate about kind of a skimpy topic this week what are we going to be reviewing amos so this week is kind of a one for y'all one for us or at least me episode <laughs> um we're going to review star trek which maybe you've heard of so this will probably be the episode that gets the most listens and the least listens in the same in the same space so yeah. both of you guys you're big star trek people <clears throat> i and we kind of t- talked about this off mic, so I kind of want to get it out there. You know, I- I've seen some Star Trek films. I've seen one, two, three, four, the first four films, and then you guys suggested I watch New Contact. First Contact. First yeah. Contact. So I watched that yesterday, which <clears throat> I now remember that I saw that in the movie theater when I was like 14. Okay. Um, yeah, and, sounds about right. And then I saw, um, I think I saw maybe the next two which i can't remember at all uh the next two were nemesis and insurrection definitely saw nemesis i think it was in the opposite order oh okay see we're we're anytime anytime we're recording ourselves talking about something that's like a niche uh nerdy passion for some people this happened on the comic trope our comic book podcast all the time i felt like i needed to know everything like i was an encyclopedia right but i don't i'm not good at the details i'm not really that kind of nerd me neither. But, uh, but yeah, for the, so for anyway. the people who are listening who are like, well, this I'm not going to listen to this episode because I, I don't know much, nor do I care much about Star Trek. I'm there with you. I don't. <laughs> it's going to, if, if anyone has listened, have listened to our previous podcast, The Comic Trope, uh, we did a bunch of Star Wars specials. And I knew more about Star Wars than Star Trek, and I still didn't know much. So this is going to really be. Difficult for me to review, but I've got some big questions to ask, and we're going to pay attention to the world that is Star Trek, and we're going to review it and rank it as a finished uh, finished works. Even and if you not. if you aren't a big Star Trek fan or you haven't watched much, and you're kind of curious, it, it's kind of like comic books in that there's a ton of stuff, and like if you want to check it out, you might not know where to start. This would probably yeah. be a good. 
yeah. uh, episode. There really is something for everyone in Star Trek. You just got to know where to look. And Unless you hate space like our former guest, Enoch. There's probably nothing to eat for him. All right. But before we get into that, let's do what is like frozen in Star Trek. I think things still freeze. Yeah, yeah, but is back in like, space, is there like a planet that's like frozen a lot? Oh yeah, the Andorians are from a frozen planet. Let's do the Andorian Breaker. <laughs> <laughs> They're very strong, so <laughs> might be tough. All right, so I I have a serious, actual serious question, and then I have a if you, what is an Andorian? <laughs> yeah, what the fuck is an Andorian? No, so I I do have like a serious question that I could ask you guys, and then I have one. That you're going to have to place yourself in Star Trek. Pretend that you are part of Star Trek. And, and answer, <laughs> and answer like this basically question. Our lives. <laughs> Which would you like to do first? Uh, whatever. The serious question. If given the opportunity today, dropping what you know of your life, leaving your life behind you, family, friends, everything, but I can promise you a spot on the Enterprise as a, whatever, an important person. Well, not a red shirt. No. Yeah. Like someone who, even like the people who aren't red shirts in the movies, there's always like an extra like, and I don't want to say henchmen, but they have like a real job and then they end up dying anyways. And then like we're supposed to care because we, he has us, he or she has a spot like at the table, right? If I could promise you that, this world exists and you are going to be part of it to go where no man have gone before, blah, 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 blah. Would you leave what you know today for that life? I Can I go first? Yes. Sure. Um, it's more, I, I would say yes. Um, and it's more Sorry, of parents. Yeah. You guys are great. <laughs> I love you, Michelle, but, um, for me, the appeal is it's actually less about exploring space and being on the enterprise more about lasers. It really is (laughs) phasers. Actually, there is a difference. We can go into that later if you want. Um, if you want, yeah. Uh, no, but it's about living in that world because I've lived my entire life. I, I grew up as a star Trek fan, like in, um, elementary schools when I started watching the next generation and it's sort of set the stage for my love of this whole, I feel like to call it a franchise is to, um, to short it. Uh, but anyway, what really has appealed to me over the years is the world in which all these people live and the society that, uh, humanity and, and the Federation has created. And it's not perfect. It's not without dangers, but it is the vision of what I hope for humanity to achieve. Um, which is rare in science fiction, strangely enough. Um, but there's a, an optimism about Star Trek that I think makes it stand out as a world and as a, as a um, franchise. And that, to me, has always been one of the things that keeps me coming back because it makes me believe that good things can happen. So, yes, that, that, my answer is yes. <laughs> An emphatic yes at that. Absolutely. Amos. Well, yeah, I... Um... So you're saying that I just never knew any of the people that I know now, like my no, family? No, I'm just saying, like, snap of a finger, you're gone. No goodbyes. Oh, man. I mean, that's just so cruel. Very. To them. Yeah, I don't think I could actually do it just because of that. Okay, well, uh, say that you can say goodbye to everyone. I don't know. Even then, it's kind of tough. I mean, uh, 
What's more tough, that or you get to choose one person? <laughs> Wait, what? You get to choose one person that goes with you. Uh, I don't know. I feel because like you'd have tougher. to pick Mike <laughs> after that speech. <laughs> there's no way you wouldn't be able to. So you'd have to explain to your to your girlfriend. Be like, well, Look, I was I'm about to say, my girlfriend's the only one of my sort of closest people who listens to this. Actually, my mom might listen. I don't know. But uh, Beth is aghast right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I guess. Okay, here I'll give you a, a philosophical answer. So, I agree with what Mike said. the The biggest appeal of Star Trek is that it is this optimistic vision for our future. It's very different from Star Wars in that Star Wars is a fantasy story. You know, it's set in a galaxy far, far away, and all that. It has no connection, really, to our existence and but, it's quite dystopian star wars. yeah yeah it starts that way um but uh you know star trek is supposed to be our reality just you know two three four hundred years in the future um and what's appealing about it is all the stuff that causes us so much pain and and frustration today we've sort of conquered that you know uh bigotry scarcity all the environmental problems and things like that you know it's a it's a depiction of humanity having ascended past all that so for a person like me that's a very appealing kind of message so i guess i would have to say (laughs) i'll stay here and try to work toward that existing (laughs) which is clearly bullshit because i'm too lazy but uh I don't know. I don't know if I can answer the question. Be the difference. (laughs) I mean, for me, I have kids, so I absolutely would go because (laughs) it's tough. No, um, I'm surprised neither of you found the flaw in my question in which you could say, well, if this became true, then time travel is true. So I'm going to get on that enterprise, come back here, pick up my people. Timeline. I would assume it is, but you know. He gave us a Kobayashi Maru and neither one of us could uh, throw the <laughs> Um Is that where we're going? We're going to Conky after this? Dude, <laughs> right. I'm in. Samurai business lunch. If you were in the Star Trek universe, every time you use a tractor beam, you are obviously aroused. <laughs> or... Your food replicator only <laughs> creates hot, plain tomato soup. <laughs> I feel like that was pretty easy. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I mean, okay, usually when you engage the tractor beam, you're probably sitting down. <laughs> so you mean like Actually, it's such an intense <laughs> erection. I, like, I said noticeably <laughs> aroused. Well, first of all, for I mean, you can see. So yeah, I mean, you can you can see, but like you might also be like flushed and sweating. Picard looks and, over and he's like, <clears throat> "My goodness, get it together, man!" Well, actually, this would be Worf standing at the console, getting a Klingon hard on. Jesus, this is very unbecoming for warrior. It's the pleats. <laughs> it's, the, it's the pleats, Captain. Uh, I'd go with that because just eating tomato soup is that what you said? Plain tomato soup, which yeah. is apparently a joke from the Voyager show. There was a, uh, oh, I don't even remember that. There was like a character that always asked for a hot plain tomato soup. Huh? Was it Neelix? I'm not sure. Okay. I googled it. Uh, 
And, <laughs> and that's what came up. Yes. Oh, all right. Chakotay? <laughs> uh, he's one of my favorite characters. What about really? you? Oh, definitely the uh, tractor beam arousal situation. Um, just because, I, I mean, I would hate to squander a, a perfectly good food replicator. Right? Like that. And, and this obvi- is all food replicators for you. Like, it's not just the one. Oh, yeah. So you, you're basically <clears throat> eating nothing but tomato soup. Yeah. Unless you have someone else order it. Mm. <laughs> Could I do that? Probably, yeah. Oh, I, I just Kobe you actually just, marooed like, this. Can you go get me a burger or something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Number <Now>, one. <laughs> I feel like replicator and get me a burger. I feel like I would, I would honestly, uh, realistically, probably be obviously aroused uh, if I had the opportunity <laughs> to engage a tractor beam. Like well, maybe the first time, <clears throat> like the hundredth time. I'm just, just really enjoy my job. And he goes <laughs> every time. Yeah. <laughs> why is uh, why is Mike going in and out of the tractor beam so often? <laughs> Wait, that could be you an get aroused episode. when you're being tractor beam? Yes. Oh. oh. Okay. You know, it, it probably doesn't happen that often. Yeah. I mean, depending well, it, on like what you do for a living, you might never be, go anywhere near a tractor beam. True. So, yeah, yeah but the replicator you're going to use. Yep. Everybody's using that. I'm with you there. Okay, that was fun. I guess we should explain a replicator. Just Well, food prob- replicator. Probably pretty obvious. Is like you push a bunch of buttons and you get whatever food you want, right? Yeah, it just materializes. They literally take like inert matter from like storage somewhere on the ship um, and run it through a computer system. They, they use their, just their own poop. It really probably is. Yeah. Um, they use the same technology that they use to beam people to beam this inert matter into the computer system and reconfigure it as the food that you want. And that just appears there for you. It's probably <clears> the <throat> most, like if you think about Star Trek technology, that's the most significant to their society. I, oh, warp huge. drive is probably the biggest thing, but replicators are probably the second biggest thing. Yeah. Cause you talk about how they have solved scarcity, right? There's no need for food. And, and, and like, that's you why can, their whole economy, they live at like, that to me the most interesting stuff about Star Trek isn't really the aliens and the phasers. That stuff's yep. awesome, but they are this like ideal of a communist utopia, mm-hmm. and it's a depiction of society that we never see. We even we see it even less today. I feel like today utopian fiction doesn't sell at all, and everything is a dystopia. <laughs> um, I guess what I'm maybe the bigger point I'm trying to make is it seems like. You know, we live in very cynical times. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of division. You know, everybody with a microphone talks about this kind of stuff. Uh, but that whole universe, the, the Star Trek stuff, is, you know, what we could be if we move past that. And yep, I forgot what we were even necessarily talking we're about. T- oh, the replicators. Food replicators <laughs> and how they work. But yeah. Do you guys want to review Star Trek? Let's do it. I expect you to be much more excited. (laughs) Yes! All right, there we go. (laughs) Star Trek is a franchise that was originally created by Gene Roddenberry and is considered one of the most popular examples of science fantasy. Science fantasy being the opposite, pretty much, of hard sci-fi, which you told me and has pointed out that, like, The Martian is yeah, that'd be one example. anything that is all about the science and not and not veering off too much. Yeah. So what is Star Trek beyond that? 
So I guess just sort of a timeline of what it is. Uh, it is set in our reality. You know, Earth is kind of at the center of it. Uh, it mostly takes place in the 23rd and 24th centuries. So like the stuff with Captain Kirk is happening. I don't remember the exact you know years it's supposed to be, but it's about the middle 2200s. And then uh, most of the other series, uh, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager take place about 80 years later. So like a generation later. Yeah, basically around the middle of the 24th century. You might say the next generation. You might. <laughs> you might. <laughs> uh, so yeah, like the 2300s. And then the... I guess the last of the, well, I don't know. I can't call it the last of anything. Um, the last series before Discovery, the newest thing, uh, that's called Enterprise, and it takes place about 100 years maybe before the original series did. It was a prequel show. So it's in the 22nd century. I feel like I might be throwing some of these off, but it's around 2150 or so as far as the years. And in that one, you see them like building up the technology that, you know, later becomes staples of the show. And um, like we said earlier, it's this very kind of uh, optimistic version of what our future might be like. Uh, humanity has met all these other alien species, and uh, a lot of them have come together to form this, you know, pan solar system government called the Federation. And, you know, they have enemies. There are struggles. Uh, the Klingons are one species that uh, there are wars with at different times. Uh, the Romulans are another species, the Cardassians, uh, who I thought were getting a sitcom when Keeping Up with the Kardashians yeah. came out. I really thought when I first heard the title, I didn't know who the Kardashians were. Right. So I was like, oh, is this like some kind of like a parody sitcom about Star Trek? I was really excited. I know. I was so <laughs> jazzed that everybody was talking about Star Trek. And then yeah. I was like, oh, no, this is not at all what's happening. Right. <laughs> we were very wrong. They are better looking than Cardassians, though. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of just a, I guess, the elevator pitch of what Star Trek is. So that's good. And there's a lot to talk about. Um, I would like to start... And I think it will help round out this definition by talking a little bit about the society that they live in and the economics. Awesome. Now, I have been told, or I have read on the Googs, <laughs> that saying that they are socialists is not really true. That they are more of, they, I mean, the stuff I read more of, like more individual than socialism lens. Uh, what. Give me like a high level of what you see their society as a whole being and your opinion on whether or not it is socialism. Well, I feel like that was, did you read that on Wikipedia? I feel like someone with an agenda wrote that like to differentiate it from. No, I went on. What did you tell me to go on, Mike? Oh, oh memory, memory alpha. alpha. I went on memory alpha and there's like pages and pages. I'm sure there is. Sure. And it's, I'm sure it's people who have certain 
you know, ideological views today, trying to translate it into whatever. But anyway, none right. of that well, shit matters. What I was going to say is, I, I know you described this universe of Star Trek as sort of a communist utopia earlier, and I cringed a little bit only because that's such a charged Just, term. There were no gulags. <laughs> well, sure. I mean, like, <clears throat> I think everybody in this room is probably, like, able to step back and address this from a very... um objective you, oh, know. you got that big red star on your i shirt. do i i've had people give me crap for this shirt before i i feel like those are very charged terms socialism and communism yeah and and they're very useful for describing this it's their society in star trek it resembles what i think a socialist um utopia or a, a successful socialist experiment looks like, or you could say a communist experiment. Um, obviously there are differences and I think there's a general perception that, um, you know, in those societies, you sacrifice a lot of individuality and sort of volition for the, the betterment of society. And you're sort of, you exist for society and for the government. Um, Star Trek is very much not like that. Um, and it, it, I would say the part of it that resembles socialism or communism is um, what Amos brought up earlier about uh, we, we as a human society and as a sort of galactic society in the more developed um, solar systems and societies in the Federation have conquered scarcity through the use of things like the food replicator and technology that can reconfigure matter there is scarcity on a grand scale so that you know you still need things to build ships to um, explore to you know move resources between planets but there's not sort of this personal struggle that like we deal with no one's going here hungry. today exactly and i think that's part of why almost all the series take place totally on the frontier mm -hmm. is because that's where things are still dangerous right they don't give you – and what we're talking about right now, none of this is explicitly stated in – you could watch most of Star Trek and not know anything about their economy. It only right. comes up every now and then. But um, it's something that you do think about if you watch and sort of read between the lines. It yeah, doesn't take do long a deep for you dive. to start thinking like you did. Okay, how does this all work? Why are these people doing what they're doing? Yeah, yeah, and it's also hard to imagine a world in which you don't – um, care about money and things because that's and an accumulation of wealth because that's how our world works i mean people can disagree with me and say it's about a lot of other stuff but we still are you know our economy is based off of goods and services and money mm -hmm. um and that's not what this economy is based off of not in the human society. I think it's important to define that early on. When we say people, we are talking about humans. In Star Trek. In Star Trek. Um, there are entire um, species that are dedicated to um, uh, economic enterprise. Yeah, acquisition. <laughs> the the basically the Ferengi. Yep. Um, and there is important trade and economies between societies. Um but what we're talking about in this case is just the humans. Yeah. So I feel like we, we jumped ahead a little and maybe got stuck in the mud about labels. Basically, they have no money. There's no economy in the sense that we think of it. Uh, people are motivated in this universe to do their jobs, to trade or whatever, for a shared common goal. And they, in the history of Star Trek, they learned a lot of that – 
through their uh, exposure to the Vulcans, who were the first alien species that humans meet. And the Vulcans kind of live that ethos. Like monks with yeah, big kinda. old ears. Yep. Pointy-eared monk people with haircuts like Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber. And much discipline. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, when we call it a utopia, that's part of what we mean. It's it's not it, it is a post capitalist society definitely okay and that and that makes sense especially because of when it was written by Gene Roddenberry and Gene Roddenberry was very pie in the sky kind of dude yeah I mean he, it's also 1966 so <laughs> yeah but I'm but they're sure also their ideas that got continued and fleshed out like you don't hear much about the economy in the original series that was just a you know spacefaring action. Yeah, vibe an exploration show. Yeah, and it was basically about Captain Kirk having sex with lots of different aliens. If you want, if you read slightly be- reductionist, but yeah, sure. If you read between <laughs> the lines of the original series, it's that Kirk is boning aliens. Yeah. If you read between the lines of the Next Generation, it's that they live in a post-capitalist utopia. So let's talk about races, since we've we've already touched on a few. Uh, Orions. Uh, so all right, so. You can you correct my spelling. They just look like green babes to me, though. Well, so what, oh, yeah. what you see depicted in most of the Star Trek fiction are, yeah, it's not something that ages well. Uh, they're usually called Orion slave girls. Whoa. They, that's, that's what they're called. They are green women who are scantily clad. And the idea, is, and they're mostly from the original series. Uh, the notion is that they have this really patriarchal, society all the women are enslaved i think but what it turns out later they sort of flipped that on its head i don't know which series they did that in the women are actually it's it's kind of the other way around all the males are slaves in their society and that's about all i know about the orions they have they're just uh, green people pheromones that actually turn their men into real slaves and the women rule interesting so they choose to dress that way (laughs) The Bajorans. So the Bajorans are the Palestinians. <laughs> they really are. It's uh, so the Bajorans uh, are subject to the Cardassians. Um, they sort of they're an entire race of people. Their home world, uh, I guess. I, I'm not super familiar with Deep Space Nine, but um, it has been occupied by the Cardassians for like generations, and they've sort of grown up as. Um, you know, a resistance culture. And they just have a ribbed nose. Otherwise they look, they look exactly like humans, except they have this ridge on their noses and they all wear very fancy earrings. It's probably the most low budget. (laughs) And I should say, I I don't know if anyone's going to give a shit, but I don't really think that they're just the Palestinians. I don't want to make this about politics, but they are a society who have a, a, uh, okay, there's also a lot of parallels to traditional Jewish stories. They're a, they're a very close-knit society with a religion that ties them together, and they have, for the last few generations, I think, yeah. been conquered and enslaved by the Cardassians, who are a military, uh, okay. kind of like Sparta, I guess. But we'll get to the Cardassians. The Q. There, wait, let me do the cue because I watched the first episode of The Next Generation when I found out that we were doing this uh-huh. as just a, well, I'll just put on the first one, whatever. See what's up. And, uh, you know, 
John Luke is hanging out on a ship. John Luke. <laughs> That's his name, right? Jean Luke is French. Yeah, yeah, Jean Luke. Um, and <laughs> Jimmy Luke. And then this like ca- character kind of like traps him, and he's dressed up like a medieval, uh, shake or Shakespearean kind of weird. Uh, character that is basically a god but not and doesn't have all of the same like rule like doesn't obey the rules of the universe as in like he can pretty much do and say and create whatever he wants now apparently this is a race there's more than one q yeah they are part of the q continuum and it's sort of like i don't want to call it a hive mind because there are individual members of the q continuum that act of their own volition but they're an, they're in a cult a real powerful cult that doesn't have to obey time uh i feel like okay if we want to talk about like the structure of q society <laughs> there they have evolved beyond the point that like humans can understand what they really are right they're basically gods they they can travel through time they are almost totally omnipotent q usually in the shows q is a character it's uh john what's john delancey yeah um, and he, he likes to just fuck with, um, Picard, Picard and, and his gang, uh, just cause he has a crush on Picard. Kind Basically. Of. I mean, not he's like, like, he's a, a lot like a, like a, it's sort of like a middle school flirting thing, except he's all except powerful. He's abusive. Yeah. It's, it's <clears throat> so a it's lot like, like if, it's like if a teacher had a crush on a high school student. No, it, not quite. Uh, it's a lot like all the Greek myths that you read. It's yeah. about gods fucking with humans. And okay. that's what Q is. The Romulans. Um, same race as the other ear people. Uh, so the Vulcans and the Romulans, we should just talk about it once because they're so interconnected. Yes, we should. So the Vulcans are the first species that the, I almost said Americans, that the humans, the humans meet <laughs> after World War Three. Yes. Yeah, basically. Uh, they have their own long history, but, but in the present, they're very logical. They have conquered their own sort of emotional demons. Before they learned that, they're kind of like, I mean, if you want to, well, never mind. I keep wanting to connect things to things in our actual reality. And I was going to say that they're a little like Buddhists in that they have conquered themselves, mm-hmm. but it's not like. Through, through logic. Yeah. They, they have a religion-like uh, devotion as a society to logic because they, and they developed this because as Amos said they had to conquer their emotional demons. They used to be kind of crazy. They yeah, very emotionally driven, uh wars all the time. They couldn't organize very well. They were super aggressive. Right. And they screwed things up to the point that they said, "Listen, this is the only way we're going to be able to um to continue living and continue progressing is to shun all of this and focus only on logic." And the guy who sort of introduced that as like their messianic figure. Mm -hmm. Now there was an entire sect of society that did not want to go this direction. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong. This is how I've always understood it. They left the home world and went and settled Romulus. And after many generations, they've developed this other society in parallel called the Romulans and the Romulans are, um, to reduce it a little bit, they're a lot like Roman uh, culture. Obviously, it's in the name. They're an empire. They're very prosperous. They're very powerful. Um, but they are sort of set up as one of the chief adversaries to the human federation, the federation, not just the humans, but um, they don't play by the rules that all of these other sort of utopian societies do. Okay. They're 
a little bit of the yin and yang here. Yep. They're kind of like there's a lot of cold wars that happen in yes. Star Trek and the Romulans and the Federation have basically a cold war going on for a long time where they have a neutral zone that they don't cross and it's not an outright war, but they're not friendly. It's very tense. Yeah. Okay. They're one of the, like Mike said, they're one of the chief adversaries. The end. Andorians blue. Yeah. They ha- they are blue and horny. I mean, they <laughs> they have like little, little horns. Tentacle, not tentacle. They have um, um antenna little, antennas. Yeah. Okay. Antennae. So antennae. Yeah. That's pretty much it. I mean, they're one of the original uh, Federation groups. They had some wars with the Vulcans. They don't come up a lot. They're blind. No, they're not blind. There's a there's a sub species of them who are blind. But uh-huh. most of the Andorians, like that guy in that picture, are not blind. Ferengi. Ferengi are the the best. Yeah. So, so they've Ferengi, got the ears that go mm-hmm. that turn into eyebrows, and they've got a, like a butt head. Yep. <laughs> yeah. They they look like little troll people. Uh, their society is like the opposite of what humanity has become. They're entirely based on greed, and mm-hmm. they they have a their religious book is called the Rules of Acquisition. Yeah. So oh, so they're. They're like the Trump family. I guess hey. so. Yeah. Um, but a whole society of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, kind of. Except they look adorable. And yeah, kinda, some yeah. of them, like, so... It's Ferengi, a very well-designed... Um, like, I'm looking at all the designs and different races, and it's a makeup very... makeup and everything. Yeah, yeah. It's a yeah. very interesting take on an alien. It, it doesn't look like any other alien that I've ever seen depicted, but it still looks kind of believable. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know? The Ferengi... I feel like the Ferengi, the Cardassians, and the uh, Klingons are the only ones that are frequently on the shows that it's like, okay, they put some work into this makeup. Most of the aliens, especially on the original show, are like the Bajorans. They just have a little... Right, like slight difference, or the Vulcans, or some like their ears. fake eyebrows and like yeah. a different outfit. Yeah. <laughs> now the Cardassians, they Spoonheads. really mm-hmm. look interesting because it just looks like they have a bunch of. Have you ever seen people get like marbles under the skin yep. as like a tattoo or whatever? Yeah, yeah, body mods. Yeah, so they just look like they have had a bunch of body mods. Yeah, the Cardassians. So the the pejorative term that people use is spoonheads because they got that forehead thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Like we said, they're kind of a militaristic yeah, society. I, I've i always found them, like, they seem to be less consequential than, like, the Klingons and the Romulans, um, but they focus very heavily on the Cardassians in uh, Deep Space Nine right. because they are the, to call back to the Bajorans, they are the occupiers of Bajor. Yeah. Yeah. You, if you watch Deep, Deep Space Nine, it's Cardassians figure really heavily on okay. that show. Now, there's not a picture of this, so I don't know what they look like, but do you guys know anything about the Dominion? Yes. Th- are the, the Dominion are the Gamma Quadrant. They are they are a confederation of different species, right. um, but they are very tightly uh, knit. They're kind of like, if you guys know much about Halo lore, um, the Covenant. So mm-hmm. the Covenant is actually like a, several different species that work together. The Dominion are the same. They, I like how, sorry, I like how this podcast is supposed to be like, I think Blake's goal was broadening what we talk about, but here we are talking about Halo lore. Uh, you know, it's anyway, they, uh, they are a dominant society in the gamma quadrant of the Milky Way galaxy and so um, very far away. Right. And uh, they have the Jem Hadar, which is a species of uh, genetically created soldiers that are all sort of addicted to a drug. And the people that control the drug are their sort of strategic overlords. That's interesting. Yeah. The Borg are basically a hive mind. There was a 
there is or was a queen that you find out about in one of the movies that is is kind of like just like ants. Like she is uh she is absorbing or they are absorbing people and trying to perfect living and life by basically what just eating the universe right yeah they just consume other societies um they take their biology they take their technology and they're sort of a societal version of a virus very um very punk rock spooky yeah they're cool <laughs> punk rock well yeah i mean you know like the whole like i i don't know when this came about but i bet you it was the 80s right yeah the because- borg were the chief villains i guess in the next generation you know i could just guess that because like like the the you mean their aesthetic yeah the cyberpunkness (laughs) of it yeah i was like i thought you meant like their 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 ethos because they're like mindless drones no but like (laughs) well no i'm not saying blake was saying that i'm saying they're like dead man they're like the opposite of punk rock (laughs) right no but they look very like cyberpunk sure yep yeah klingons everybody knows klingons yeah They, uh, they have the language everyone speaks uh, they proctor. No, wait, that's not it. How do you say um? Uh, flock. Carp- yeah, I, I can't remember any clan. They they eat worms and shit. They yeah, eat worms. Do they eat worms? Blood worms. Yeah, blood. blood worms. Oh, sure. And blood wine. And blood wine. They're a they're a warrior culture with thus all of the blood. They're <laughs> kind of like like um feudal Japan mm-hmm. samurai culture. That's Bushido. kind of what. Yeah, that's that's kind of what the Klingons are like. Okay. And for, for some reason, we have to talk about tribbles because everyone likes them. I love tribbles. What the fuck is a tribble? It's a little fuzzy thing. And Rabbits on steroids. Yeah, they they breed very quickly and have babies very quickly. So, um, it's and they're a just funny little episode. balls of fur. Yeah, so they're like cats. Yeah, they they showed up in a goofy episode of the original series, and then they became a running joke yeah. in other episodes. So they just show. infest the entire ship in like. 10 minutes <laughs> but they infest it with adorableness yeah okay so they're not i mean i guess they're deadly it's more a sort of like oh tribbles right. we have a we have a tribble infestation our our lives have been impacted by the technology that was made up on these shows and, the, and there's a lot of devices that exist today that probably would have existed anyways, but maybe the makeup of them looks similar because of the Star Trek shows. And the first most noticeable is the the iPad or tablets in general, right? Like tablet computers. Touchscreen devices. Touchscreen really. devices. That all kind of really started in in science fiction, especially Star Trek. I think that's pretty neat. Yeah, absolutely. You you can probably find other examples that you can trace things back to, but Star Trek had sort of that you know, wide enough appeal and reach that um, I think rightfully so it gets a lot of credit for influencing iPads, smartphones for sure. Yeah, the communicator was kind of like a smart or well, cell phones. Yeah, it was an early example of the flip cell phones, phones Mm -hmm. especially. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They look a lot like those. Yeah. And tricoders, which are um, tricorders. How do you say that? Tricorder. Tricorder. It's like a medical device. Yeah. They don't really exist yet, but there's always there's an article every other month about like real tricorders. Yeah. Well, in, cer- in certain an MRI is kind of like a tricorder. But that that even that even 
that strengthens the kind of hypothesis that science fiction pushes the edges right. of science oh, because people get it in their head and they're like, no, I think we can really do that. Right. So ideas breed like actual devices. Even warp drive. I mean, I've seen some, uh, obviously it doesn't exist. This is faster than light travel. Um, but I've, you know, seen some interesting documentaries on, on theoretical physics of like, okay, we can't necessarily break the speed of light, but the whole idea of warp drive is instead you just sort of shrink space time ahead of you and you, that's how you get around the speed of light. Yeah. And that like could potentially happen. The mm -hmm. metaphor that <laughs> science fiction always uses is someone draws two points on a piece of paper. Yeah. You've, you've seen this and they're like, what's the, you know, closest, um, the shortest distance between those and someone draws a line and then they fold the piece of paper in half where the two lines are, the two points are touching. Yeah. You bend that's, space time. Right. So that, yeah, <laughs> I think we've both gone down a lot of rabbit holes about uh, whether or not that's a possible thing. Well, cloaking devices are real. Yeah. And that that yeah. what did not exist, and Star Trek kind of made it up. Uh, I mean, a lot of these ideas are probably from... Science fiction in general. Yeah, yeah, just science fiction in general. And I just, I look at Star Trek as the embodiment of science fiction. It like, popularized a lot of this. Yeah, stuff. Yep. yeah. Uh, Bluetooth headsets, voice like interface computers. Like yeah, the Siri. the computer on the Enterprise is like an early example of AI that is becoming so popular now and is in everyone's phones. Yep, GPS, teleconferencing, like all these things probably, <laughs> which probably worked better in Star Trek than it does. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's something that still doesn't log really, in. Yeah, that still doesn't really work. <laughs> Diagnostic beds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So there's lots. We could go on and on and on, but what? real quickly, and I mean quickly, tell me of the technology on Star Trek, which ones do you want the most? Warp drive. Uh, you stole mine. Well, it's got to be warp drive. Then my backup is a food replicator. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the food replicator would probably be more useful to us right now. Yeah. But long term, which is what this is all about, Yeah. Warp the warp drive is... See, that... I've read, for a layman, I've read a fair amount about this, I guess, and it's probably not possible, but maybe it but will be. But not impossible. <laughs> yeah, so if we can't do that, this kind of society is never going to exist. Yeah. It just takes us, like, to get to the next solar system is, you know, generations, yeah. I think, of humans. Yeah. So, you know, like, our actual future is probably going to look very different from this. There's also... A, most likely not that many alien species. True. Okay, so I have pulled up a Star Trek every movie and TV show ranked best, worst to best. I don't care for your opinion on whether or not this is right. You're <laughs> shutting us down this it whole is, time. It is the way. <laughs> because I don't want to get into that conversation for sure. this. I don't really want to yeah. either. But what I want to but do here we are. is scroll through it, okay. and I want you to give me one sentence about each movie. Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, coming in last. Yep, I agree with that. He talks to God. Uh, sort of. It's an alien that... Uh, pretends to be Pretends God. to be God. And then he's like, why? <laughs> Go ahead and do it. I don't remember what he says. Why does God need a spaceship? Yep. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, that movie's terrible. 19, Star Trek Enterprise. Okay, this is bullshit. Enterprise is great, <laughs> and that's know. all I'm going to say. Got it. Awful theme song it is a terrible theme song. couldn't what? watch it because of the theme what's song. the theme is that the one that's it's like it's like country it's like cheesy it's country. not country i but think i like it it's been a long yeah time. yeah that can't 
I'm like it kind of grew on me, but it is a super. Che- it's but it's more like '80s power ballad than it's not a country song. Okay, I wish it was. <laughs> I think I like it. Um, but that show is great, and it's a travesty that it's at 19. Okay, but what list. what it's what is it about? It's about uh, human society first learning about the bigger galaxy. It's it takes place in the 2100s. So it's like a it's a hundred and some years from now. It's a prequel to most uh, of the rest of Star Trek. Right. Scott Bakula is the captain. Okay. He's awesome. The movie Star Trek Nemesis at eighteen. Uh Tom uh Hardy was like I wonder how old oh, he yeah. was when he made that movie. He plays a clone of Captain Picard. Weird. It is weird. It's not a good movie. I liked it only for the Romulan political uh perspective. Yeah. Because yeah. you see a lot more about Romulan society than you typically do in anything else. Star Trek in a darkness. All right. This is the one with uh, what's where Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch yeah. is con, and honestly, I think it's really good. I feel yeah. like most of the bad press about it was about the whitewashing of Khan, which has always been a thing with him. Okay, they just need to have an Indian actor play him, and they're not doing it. I'll put it this way: I liked it. I was the only thing I didn't like was that they decided to make the bad guy Khan because I liked. I found. Ricardo Mantoban's con to be so much more charismatic and believable as this dangerous guy. Whereas Benedict Cumberbatch was just sort of this like, he really had a Do you know that until now I didn't put together that those two were supposed to be the same character. It's supposed to be the same guy. And, and I think it's better off if it would have been better off if they didn't try to redo con because this as a self-contained thing, it's good. Star Trek, the animated series. I never actually watched it. Only watched it. I tried to watch Hi. one episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not well made. It's yeah. low low production value. Star Trek in insurrection. insurrection. I have a hard time remembering it. I know I've seen it. Yeah. I have a hard time remembering what it's about. They some they somehow uh find themselves in a very disadvantageous situation and have to like the Picard and crew has to like lead a rebellion. That's all I really remember. <laughs> There's a picture of like him and some girl blowing out a flower together. Uh, that's Troy. Star Trek Voyager, the TV show. Voyager was fun, I think. I think it was supposed to try to recapture a little bit of the original series and how it was just sort of cap exploration. But most of the characters are kind of flat. Uh, so it was the first time that they had a female captain. Uh, and Janeway's pretty awesome. But the crew was great, I thought. Some of the crew. Like... Um, what's his name? Uh, Tim, Tom. He's like, he's like the most cookie cutter white boy I've ever seen. Yeah. Who's this like human version that's, of Garfield the cat? Neelix. <laughs> exactly. He's the ship's he, cook. Right? <laughs> he's exactly <laughs> that. He's like, if you ever watched uh, Thundercats, the character Snarf. That's yeah. What, that's what Neelix is. Yeah. Oh yeah. That makes sense. It also has, uh, seven of nine who is like a former Borg. She's one of the few. Characters She's been who disassimilated, yeah, deborged. Well, yeah. and uh, Picard, Jean Luc Picard, right, right. As far as I know, they're the only two. Um, I will say, uh, footnote on Voyager, it was the first new Star Trek that came out, uh, after the next generation, which was sort of the be all end all for me, not movie. TV show. No, Deep Space Nine was before. Oh, you're right. Yeah. I never. I just never got into Deep Space Nine. Never mind. See, you need to because it's. I think it's maybe the best. Yeah, Star so, Trek: The Motion Picture. It's it's called it's often called Star Trek the Motionless Picture because it's really boring. Yeah, I want and the whole idea like they're being attacked by this alien called Viger, and it turns out it's the Voyager spacecraft. 
Wow. It's real high concept. Yeah. It, it was, ever... they were trying to do something like 2001, a space odyssey mm-hmm. and they did. It looked good on paper. Yeah. yeah. Star Trek generations. So this one's interesting because you see the original series cast or some of that cast and the next generation cast together, mm-hmm. or is it just captain Kirk? I don't remember who is involved in all of the crossing over. Um, I remember it being interesting, but it felt more like fan service than a good story. Yeah, to me. It, it totally is. I think it just had Captain Kirk. At least that's what it says right here. It's it's interesting because Kirk, by this time, by the time that Picard is a captain, Kirk's been dead a long time, mm-hmm. and they don't know whatever happened to him. Uh, so how'd they bring him into this movie then? Time A time warp thing. It, it's... None of that matters. <laughs> you just get to see the two of them fight a guy together, and that's what's important. Star Trek Beyond. So this was I the thought third that was one, great. right? I feel like it deserves to be a little bit higher. I got about halfway through it. It was so it's right. the third. It's the third of the remakes with uh, Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto and yeah, what's her name? Zoe Zaldano. That sounds right. Yeah, but yeah. the remake is a, it's still a prequel, right? It's no. it's a different timeline. Yeah, um, I'm not gonna. I'm, it's it's I'll the characters. On it. They're playing the characters from the original series. Yes, Kirk but, and Spock. But something and, happened to change the the timeline. The yeah, it's timeline. The, the planet yep. Vulcan gets destroyed, and and they bring bunch of little things. Someone back in time who is blah blah blah. Okay, yep. <laughs> it's hard. Blake's to, not into it. No, no, it's not that I'm not into it. I'm very. Uh, I actually thought the movies were were fun. Yeah, I, like I can't. I can't. I cannot swallow Star Trek the way a Star Trek fan does. I see it as like glimpses in a universe, and I don't care necessarily how they interact. But I think That's that they're fun. Yeah. Uh, Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Spock's not dead. Yeah. Right. And was this the the conclusion of the Project Genesis yeah. story arc which yeah. was very influential and very cool in the first th- couple movies. Yeah. Star Trek 2009, the first reboot was real good. Yeah. yeah. So it made the, me like Star Trek. Again. Yeah. And if you watch uh, to me the most interesting thing about those remakes is if you watch them all three together as an arc about Kirk. Mm-hmm. His what his character goes through, how much he changes, that's what makes it the most compelling. Yeah, I feel like they catch a lot of flack for not being true to the Star Trek like ethos of, you know... Of boating aliens? Well, diplomacy <laughs> and all of these high um you There know, are a lot ethics. of lasers. But I think they're great movies, and Blake, I think, back to what you said, they brought... I think they brought people into Star Trek in a way that the other movies really didn't have a chance to do. Yeah, they're they're very accessible. Star Trek Discovery. So this Discovery is the, is the new show. And it's CBS. Uh, it, you can only watch it on CBS's streaming. And so platform. that's why I haven't even given a shot. I haven't watched it either. Different. I watched the pilot and I actually really enjoyed the pilot. Um, I've heard mixed reviews. I haven't watched any of the rest of it because I'm simply not going to pay a new streaming membership for a single show. Right. Star Trek First Contact, which I just watched again. It was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Th- this is one of my favorites because the stuff that I guess is the most interesting about Star Trek to me is the transition from now to to them. And in this movie, they go back in time and meet the guy who creates the first warp drive or d- who does the first human like faster than light space jump. Yep. And it sets up for that interaction with the Vulcans. But it also yeah. has 
interesting, you know, sort of resolution of the whole Borg story arc that they set up in the next generation sets up for some good action. It's a great all over movie. Usually films that, um, cater to like going back in time or like, Oh, let's, let's see what happens when they go back to the eighties. Like <laughs> I usually don't care for that. I, it didn't fall into any of those tropes. I thought it was right. a pretty decent film. Speaking uh, of <laughs> Star Trek for the voyage home. I did not like, this is about them coming back to like learn about a whale so they can destroy a bad guy in the future in present Star Trek time. Right. In, in the eighties. So this movie, <laughs> I look at this movie like, okay, when the Marvel movies first started coming out, the, you know, the Marvel Studios ones, they weren't super gritty, but they were, they mostly played it straight, I think. And, this and then you had, well, no, but then you had like Guardians of the Galaxy come out and it's supposed to be funny and it has a lot of charm. I think Voyage Home, or, uh, yeah, Voyage. Yeah, yeah, has that. It's charm for Star Trek uh, fans. But I don't. Well, think I think it it's very different from, like, I think they were trying something new. Yeah, they were definitely doing that. I just don't think it succeeded in being charming to someone who isn't a Star Trek fan. I don't know. That's just my two cents. It's not my favorite. Uh, Star Trek: Next Generation. That is my favorite. <laughs> so that's the show that is now probably at least. I don't know. I think about you know the Wayne's World thing where he says. It's a lot like Star Trek, the next generation. In many ways, it's superior to the original, but, uh, you know, will never be as recognized. Right. That's changed. I guess that's true. Yeah, I guess that's changed. I think it's just the passage of time. I mean, the next generation is it went on for, what, seven seasons uh, and then lived yeah. forever in syndication. Right. Then it's it was it's on Netflix now. I still watch it. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably the most recognizable. Yeah. To people. Probably is to people our age. Yeah. I think that I would like to watch it, but. I would want to know when I could start because I watched the first episode and it was like pulling teeth for me. The first two seasons aren't very good. It, yeah, but it gets a lot better. I want, I'm sure there's some kind of YouTube smash up of like, of oh, the first two seasons. Yeah. Is what you need there to probably is. I yeah. Find that. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And you know, I didn't think until just now that Wayne's rule came out in like 1991. So next generation was only on its like third season. Yeah. It was just getting good. So there we go. Star Trek six. six. You said that like I couldn't read. Well, no, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know why right. I said that. You're like, don't worry, Blake. I got you. I know that you Star know. Trek Roman Six, <laughs> the undiscovered country. I don't think I watched that. It's all about Klingons and my favorite politics. part of that is that the the Klingon badass general General Chang has an eye patch. But because he's a badass Klingon, the patch is screwed into yeah. his skull, and the screw heads are little Klingon Empire logos. And that's it's cute. Played by Christopher Plummer. Yes. There's a phenomenal, I say phenomenal a lot. That's, this podcast made me realize that. He's great. Phenome. Yeah. Star Trek, the original series at three. Which, I mean, you have to pay it deference. Absolutely. And then it says the series holds up even today, but that's not true. Well, I, it's very different, I think, from what Star Trek has become. Yeah. Um, it's a totally different vibe. It's sort of groovy and very... <laughs> when you listen to the theme song and it's got it's bongos. It's got bongos, baby. Yeah, it's very 60s. But it also sort of gives it that air of uh, fun exploration that you were talking about. Right. I always consider it a swashbuckling space adventure. Yeah, because Kirk doesn't give a damn. Yeah. Kirk is... Great characters. Excellent, they are. excellent Bones, characters. Bones, the Dr. McCoy is my favorite character. In and Spock is timeless for a good reason. Yeah. Every one of those characters. It also, you know, always comes up. It's That was the first time an interracial kiss was depicted on television. in yep. television. So that's a pretty big thing. Wow. 
Did you know that Geraldo Rivera was the first person to say the word AIDS on TV? <laughs> oh my know, god! Didn't know that. Star Trek: Deep Space Nine at number two. I think this is the best. Uh, well, okay, so I'm looking at one and two. Uh, as far as the series, this is probably the best one. Okay, and what? Why is that? It's the first one that has story arcs that take place across whole seasons, yep. which you know the way TV shows always are now, mm-hmm. uh, and it explores. You just get way more about the characters or relationships and like the political struggles. It's also, I think the only one, the only series that shows the Federation at war. True. Cause every other series it's between those things. Right. Super high stakes because of the war yeah. going on. Um, also of note, uh, the producers of this went on to produce, um, Battlestar Galactica, which was a very early success story for that serial. That's weird. Cause I was just about to say that there was something about this that reminded me of Battlestar Galactica, just this picture. Really? Well, you can, if, if you they, look at their yeah, uniforms, they look a lot like it's very different from the other shows where they have like mono color, blue, gold, and, and this guy's face. What's up with his face? Who's this? <laughs> Chief O'Brien? He's a human. That's, God. That's he's, Paul Meany. He's Irish. He's just Irish. <laughs> oh, I thought he was like an interesting race because no. he's so pale. <laughs> no, he's... Well, that, look we at are, that face, that, Nick. That we are kind of an interesting making. race. Look at that. <laughs> um, the other, before we move on... Um, Odo's in there. We didn't talk about his species. Yeah, he's a shapeshifter, but uh, Quark, who might be the best character in Star Trek... Quark is awesome. Um, the Ferengi bartender. Oh, yeah? Uh, and that major show. character in Deep Space Nine. And that show is one of those weird times where you see, you know, we talked about the economy earlier. Deep Space Nine isn't a ship. It's a station. And there's a bar on it. Quark runs the bar and he charges people for drinks. And I'm, I always wonder, like, if you're a human from the Federation, money yeah. is not a thing to you. And as abstract as that is already, if you sat down and asked for a drink. And the guy said, that'll be whatever, two credits. You're going to be like, wait, what the fuck are you talking about? Where do I get platinum? Yeah, I have to give you something? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure that like it's a story before they go in there. Like Everyone knows when you go yeah. to Deep Space Nine, you actually have to pay for stuff. You're like, that's so wild. Yeah, here, take this right. card. Right. They just never address that. At least <laughs> I don't think We've replicated do. you some latinum so you can <laughs> yeah. get drunk. That's what I, <laughs> that's what I was wondering. You know, they live in a... There's no scarcity. They can replicate right. anything. What if Latinum is like um, Bitcoins in which it can only make sense to <laughs> them, like to the Ferengi, if like they can, it's not replicated. Like it has to go back to the single, like I think like that, that it probably would have to be for a society to run on it. Like, right. You, I'm sure Otherwise the inflation right. would be ridiculous. Yeah. That's fun to talk about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Star Trek Wrath of Khan, Star Trek 2. So that's what they have at number one. And uh, it's a great film, man. Like, I, I've watched that. Of all of the Star Trek films, I have seen that more than once. And if, and Amos knows this about me, very rare that I actually watch a film more than once. It's a good one. It's worth it, I think. Um, I think it's hard to compare the movies to TV series simply because you can explore so much more over the course of a couple of seasons of TV. Um, yeah, the shows are big ideas. The movies are, I don't know, big explosions. Yeah. You, the movies sort of necessarily have of to be like more focused on the action and rapid story progression. Um, but I think the wrath of Khan is probably rightfully the definitive of uh, star Trek movie. And a big, 
I mean, a big, big part of that is because Ricardo Montalban as Khan is so awesome. He's awesome. He was, he's more, he's better than he was on the show. I mean, he didn't have a whole lot of episodes, I think. And he had that ripped chest piece with the low cut shirt. Yeah. So I guess, okay. So (laughs) Khan, Khan is from Earth's past, like the 20th century. Yep. Or the, wait. 21st century early 21st so okay in the in the timeline of star trek the 90s is where shit starts to go weird right like there were um there was world war three there was wars between genetically modified supermen and that's what khan is he's yeah. one of those uh after that war is over and the super guys have been defeated they are exiled and they I freeze think, them and send them off into deep space right so khan shows up in the original series, they find him and it's almost like if, um, let's say Napoleon Bonaparte had been put into a frozen chamber or something. And we just came across him later. He he's from, he's basically from our now. Hmm. Does that yeah. make sense? Early 21st century. But he's an engineered superhuman government project guy who was too dangerous, helped precipitate this, awful war that we just sort of clawed our way out of and they were like they're gone they forgot about them for the most part other than their you know part in ancient history so why does he look weird because ricardo montalban is spanish i don't know <laughs> well he's got like all the it's just his hair yeah it's, it's the 80s okay he's got kind of a mullet thing going on yeah i thought that we, i thought honestly it was a different race you should watch yeah. in the original series they try to make him look indian and it's silly oh right yeah that's why I'm saying when they cast Benedict Cumberbatch, that was the wrong choice. Yeah, to, for many to play reasons. a man named Khan Noonien Sung. Soon, uh, you don't get a man named Cum- Benedict Cumberbatch to play that. Um, the Cumber bitches would uh, disagree. Uh oh, they're coming for you, Amos. <laughs> That's what apparently his fans are called. Really? Uh, yeah, clever. Um, so I don't want to. I don't want you guys to feel like I have pinned you to a podcast in which you cannot talk about the things that are important to you from Star Trek. I know we're going to play some games next, but I'm giving you guys the floor. This is sort of the intangible section. What have what have covered. we not talked about? So we've talked about the economy, mm-hmm. the the society itself in general, the races, the technology. We've talked about their food, and then we've gone through quickly most of the important um, works and series. Yeah. So what do you want to talk about, if I may? I was just going to say, I was just going to say Jordy LaForge because <laughs> we never talked about him. True. We'll get, we'll get around to Jordy. We also didn't really talk about Spock or data. We didn't say data once. Data is one now, of the best, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, I want to start a little bit bigger. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love these characters and they all deserve, um, you know, their own, they you could have your, an entire episode of a podcast yeah. about each one of these guys. Well, we could, <laughs> we could, um, there probably is. Oh yeah. Uh, what I was going to say is um, I think what makes Star Trek truly great is um, the way that they traditionally explore issues that are very relevant to us in our lives today, whether they be um, they can be anything from, you know, economic crises, wars, uh, racism. Yeah. Bigotry is something that 
that they address a lot. Mm-hmm. Psycho- the there's, there's several episodes that are very psychologically involved. I mean, my, my girlfriend is a social worker and um, we were watching an episode where she, where counselor Troy on the next generation is um, helping somebody get through trauma. Yeah. And she's like, this is like straight out of the manual. Like she's doing this exactly how we do it. Um, but it does it all very well and very reverently. And I think, explores all of the factors involved in these things without, you know, using a heavy hand for the most part. Unless you're Kirk. Well, Kirk's boning. (laughs) (laughs) So Star Trek is very aware of the present day problems Mm -hmm. that our society have and tries to successfully bring them into shows and show people how to deal with things correctly or highlight incorrect things about our society. Yes. And it, but it does it successfully as good sci-fi often does um, in a sort of speculative way that takes a lot of the sting and the things that make it political or, you know, very charged these days. Um, it presents it in this sort of fictional world where, oh, they're not, you know, um, white people and black people, they're Bajorans and, or, you know, Palestinians and, um, and Israel. It, it's not that it's Bajorans and Cardassians. Um, but they can, I'm sure any Jewish listener is going to love the comparison (laughs) to Cardassians. I'm being sarcastic. Sure. I mean. Uh, clearly that's a it's a parallel it's though. there like, whether it doesn't have to be that. it doesn't have to be um exact uh, you know everything's kind of squishy but they they're obviously trying to talk about issues and relationships that are similar to that of mm-hmm. the palestinian and right. people of israel so that's to me that is what i really love about star trek is it's a it's a great way to explore these pressing issues of our time um in a more comfortable and entertaining way. And I love the whole universe that they've created to help tell those stories. They seem to have created a very successful universe in which you can have multiple shows. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, this has gone a long time, 66 man. And then we still have new properties being created today. That's something. It's deep, but you know what really kind of ruins all of that and makes me kind of hate star Trek. What? Wesley Crusher. Yeah, I'm but just at least they acknowledge that. And he was like my favorite character when you were a kid. Up. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Wesley Crusher is the son of the of Dr. Crusher on the uh Next Generation. He's really annoying. Oh yeah. Played by Will Wheaton. You guys ready to play some games? Let's do it. Let's do it. The first game that we're playing is called Dr. McCoy on a first date. Yes. The way this is going to work is I am your date. Both of you are Dr. McCoy. Okay. It's a speed. Imagine a speed dating scenario in which I have to ask you quick questions and you have to tell me quick answers. The, the trick here is that you must reply with a, I'm a doctor, not a. <laughs> so if I said, are you more of an indoors person or an outdoors person? You would have to reply, Damn it, Blake, I'm a doctor, not a cat. Exactly. <laughs> so I've got a bunch of first date questions. I'm going to go back and forth. Okay. And you guys are going to give me your best McCoy. All right. And you're going to apply with, I'm a doctor, not a blank. Got it. So, Dr. McCoy, what do you like to do in your free time? 
damn it, Blake. I'm a doctor, not a politician. <laughs> I don't have free time. <laughs> Who is the most fascinating person you've met? Damn it, Blake. I'm a doctor, not an interesting person. Damn it, Blake. I'm a doctor, not a student. That's good. Not literate. <laughs> <laughs> what amazing adventures have you been on? Oh, fuck off. <laughs> You damn Andorian slime mule. That's the kind of thing he would yeah. say. You green-blooded um, bastard. Negative point for Amos because he didn't start it with, I'm not a doctor. Ooh. But it is how Boones would talk. It is. That he was a very good Boones. What's your favorite drink? <laughs> damn it, Blake. I'm a doctor, not a bartender. There you go. Bourbon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's, he's that's the correct answer. The fun, it's funny how on the original series, like he's he's their southerner. He's from Georgia. Yeah, but it's like you know, it's the twenty second, twenty third century. It's like you know, everyone is just everyone's very one world government, and yeah. no one gives a shit. What would you do if you had enough money to not need a job? <laughs> Damn it, Blake! I'm a doctor, not an unemployed doctor. I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of hard. What's your favorite restaurant? <laughs> Can I say? Yeah. Damn it, Blake, I'm a doctor, not a gourmand. <laughs> I, th- <laughs> I just love that one. I thought you were going to go, damn it, Jim, I'm a doctor, not a hula hands. <laughs> not a what? A hula hands. What's a hula hands? It's like an old place you would eat in like the 60s. <laughs> oh, okay. I've never heard of that. All right. <laughs> not a uh, Zataran. No. What's the book? The um, book about restaurants? Uh, Zagat. Zagat, yeah. Not a Zagat's guide. Bob Zagat. What TV series do you keep coming back to and rewatching? <laughs> Damn it, Blake. I'm a doctor, not a binge watcher. <laughs> not a Star Trek enthusiast. <laughs> Who's your favorite author? Once again, I'm illiterate. <laughs> All right, all right. I feel like going on a date with Bones would inherently be... I don't think I, either of you have won this. Um, we all lose today. He's a, he's yeah. a cranky dude. <laughs> I think, all right, guys. I'm not going to tell you the... Wait, which one of you said that? Me. Okay. I'm not going to tell you what this game is all about. Um, sure. But I am going to put on some background emotional music, and I want you guys to act out what I think could be argued to be the most emotional part of a star trek movie okay totally we might start crying doing this well that would make it even better (laughs) Um, you mccoy i'm gonna be mccoy i'm gonna start it off and you two are going to act out oh man so this is from the end of wrath so we're kind of well whatever it's a movie that came out in the 80s so if you haven't seen it sorry yeah see it I feel like it's saying that Darth This Vader. is a famous scene in which Spock had put himself in a position to die for the Enterprise. Can I do Spock? Because he has a funny, like, Muppet voice in this section. It's too late, Jim. You have to be reading that. Oh. <laughs> I wonder why I texted you this. <laughs> Trying to ignore my text messages out of respect for the podcast. Well, it's better than Amos. I appreciate it. Spock! Ship. Out of danger? Yes. Don't grieve, Admiral. It is logical. 
the needs of the many outweigh needs of the few. Or the one. I never took the Kobayashi Maru test. It's hard to make that sound dramatic. Until now. What do you think of my solution? I have been and always shall be your friend. Live long and I need to keep that together to do a fake fart. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> so that was beautiful. And I'm going to ask you to do it again. Okay. <laughs> but I'm going to ask you how many marshmallows <laughs> do you think you can have in your mouth? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you have marshmallows? And do this again. And We're both looking you around guys are competing against each other. So how many you say, these are jumbo, so think that they're twice the size of a regular marshmallow. <laughs> how many do you think you can do? The one with the most marshmallows wins. Four. Uh, I'm going eight. Oh, man. Uh, They're marshmallows, not oranges. All right, well, I got to go nine then. <laughs> so this wait, wait, this guys, is how guys, we guys. killed ourselves. Can, can I just point out God, the size of huge. the marshmallows? Yeah, they're, they're jumbo. Jumbo oh. mallows. So. Do you like marshmallows? I love marshmallows. See, I, I really don't like them. Oh, so it might be yeah. handicapped here. Yeah. I'm gonna yeah. I'm saying four. I don't see many more fitting in my mouth. <laughs> so you're both gonna do four, okay? And if you're able to get through it, you're gonna go five because one of you said you could do more than four, right? Amos said eight. I said eight, but now that I look at them, <laughs> one of those is about the size of my mouth. All right, go ahead and hand me four marshmallows. I'm going to pass them around. Pass those jumbo mallows. Give them jumbo from mallows. Craft. Oh, they're jet puff? They're huge. These are... <laughs> oh, okay, four. Yeah, clearly eight was just idiotic. <laughs> I wasn't considering how big these are. Even four. <laughs> Even four. Wait, it's, I got to It's literally like a handful. <laughs> All right. <laughs> there we go, guys. It's too late, Jim. Well, sure. I'll take your... Mm. Don't breathe, Admiral. <laughs> it is logical. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. For the one, I never thought the coronavirus. This disgusting. It's just slurping sounds. We're so, we're so close. Until now, what do you think of my solution? Fuck. <laughs> I have been. And always shall be your friend. This is No! God! <laughs> Good job, guys. That was a great gag. Oh, <laughs> this is my favorite game that I've played in a long time. Man, this is going to sound... People always say that when people are eating on podcasts, it drives them crazy. I love it. I feel, <laughs> you like to hear people eating? Oh, on, I love it. <laughs> just the sound of... Mm-hmm. Mouthing, um, <laughs> you weirdo. You know what? <laughs> I just appreciate that Amos finished this game because it seems like something that he would just give up on, and you didn't. That was tough. Man is up to the challenge. Yeah, and now we have these mallows. I was well. I was gonna say if these were like chocolate, I'd be. Yeah, it'd be uncomfortable. But they're marshmallows, so mm-hmm. you can dip them in chocolate. 
No, I don't. <laughs> okay. Subjectively, on a scale of one to ten, ten being being warp drive, sure, and one um, being, being Andor- Andorian slug mule, one being the opposite of or whatever he just said. <laughs> um, where do you? put Star Trek as an influence to your life, to whom you are, to who you want to be. Well, now we're really loading this up. I just wanted to say 10. Yeah. No, I mean, like, but... No, I'm still just saying 10. Yeah, subjectively, you can rate it really however you want. You know, is you, either you really like it or really don't, right? It doesn't have the negative effect of, like, soda, which is really <laughs> there's not much. There's not much negative about... Yeah. If you watched it constantly and didn't go to your job, if you were obsessed with it, then yeah, that'd be a problem. But all Trekkers are not like that. Yeah, we're not quite to that level. Not all Trekkers. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd give it a 10. I'm going to give it a 9 because I think there's always room for improvement. It's important to uh, always try to stretch yourself. Sure. Um, Star Trek is not perfect, but it is a massive – I think it's a great franchise, great entertainment. As we already discussed, it's – I think it's very valuable uh, to people. To in today's world, yeah, more so than most like fictional yes, franchises. It is not just entertainment, um, and it goes, it does a good job of going beyond that. Um, and I think I'm glad you brought up how it's influenced me because I think it really has influenced you know, growing up watching this um, and absorbing this world. It's influenced the way that I see the world, the things that I want to strive for, what I believe uh, is right. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not just concerned with myself. I'm not, I feel like to truly be good, we need to build a better world, which is not just coming from Star Trek, but it certainly reinforced that view point that I have. And for me, I think it's a better than a, you know, for me to subjectively rate this, I have to look at like other huge fictional tales, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And you know, put a you know, I got to put it beside Lord of the Rings. You have to put it beside Star Wars. Heavy hitters, you know. And I think that this, I like that Star Trek always tries to have a positive outlook and end. And I think that that puts it at an eight for me. Whereas maybe some others, I don't think that they're trying to do good. I don't think that the the kind of the soul i think the soul of star trek when he comes right down to it is a positive thing and it has influenced technology in a good way and influenced i think a lot of people to um to to be able to analyze social problems by it being separated from the actual social problems that we kind of talked about earlier so yeah i think it's a strong eight it's a good show i don't like all of it and I probably won't watch all of it. <clears throat> or any more of it. Yeah. No, I, I will. I mean, I'm not going to ever dismiss Star Trek um, the way I dismiss some things like G.I. Joe. Oh, no. <laughs> Mike just leaves. Yeah, I know. You're That's G.I. another guy. podcast. That's another one. I just started watching it again. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. <laughs> That's good. Now comes the hard part. I feel like it won't be that hard. I mean, it's a, it's a TV series. As much as I love it, we should start at the bottom because humans would still be humans without Star Trek. So this is for me and Amos. And if we get to a tiebreaker, then Mike can weigh in. Objectively, 
for when the Klingons... Well, then we're just pandering. Yeah, you're right. Take over the I, world. I'd put it at number one. <laughs> uh, Except it doesn't depict the Klingons as the most... Uh, as the best people. Yes. Anyway. Objectively, <laughs> where would we put the Star Trek world? I'm going to start at the the only thing on here that is fiction. Oh. Junior. <laughs> junior. And I'm going to say that, <laughs> yeah, Junior is not as good as Star Trek. Yeah, I'd put Star Trek above Junior. Ditto. Soda Pop. I'm going to say it's above soda. I'm going to say it's better than soda as well. Because soda's great, but I would take Star... I think objectively anyone would take like a positive story over... (laughs) Yeah, I'd rather drink water the rest of my life and be able to watch Star Trek. (laughs) Well, I think... And it's got to be even greater than that because we have to be objective. I think objectively for people, Star Trek is better for that it exists for humanity like if one yes. existed over the other i think star trek is better for the world yeah. than soda pop yeah. certainly <clears throat> memes uh the way we covered it just internet memes yeah i'd say star trek's better than memes i'll agree with you there chain restaurants well so if if chain restaurants didn't exist would we just have more local yeah it would just mom and pop sort of places? be like the 40s it'd probably be better <laughs> if we didn't have chain restaurants I mean, I love some chain restaurants, but... Yeah, and you know, since it's chain restaurants and not just restaurants, right, I think right. we can say that Star Trek is better for the world than chain restaurants. Listen to two white guys tell the world what's good for it. Um, <laughs> That's what this podcast is. No, we're the, we are the arbiters of this list. <laughs> We are trying to be as objective as possible and putting aside the way we have grown up. We're trying to do that. Try to. We may Impossible. not be the best of it, and we're open to criticism. Yes. But know that we are just the Morons. arbiters. But it's also oh, I meant chain arbiter. restaurants versus Star Trek thus far. Like, yeah. yeah. We haven't, we're not going to cover religion. It's not heavy. Condiments. Star Trek. How do you, do you guys define condiments? Oh, don't. That okay. Was, sorry. Not I'm open sorry. that again. Yeah. <laughs> That was like two-thirds of the episode. Yeah, yeah. I'll go back and listen. Um, <laughs> if you put something on something, it's pretty much a condiment. We probably, I mean... The world without condiments... It'd would be a be lot more bland. Very bland. The world without Star Trek... But we could still... Like, there is lots of good food that doesn't have condiments on it. Most Italian food. Uh, but we, what, we need to, huh. what we need to look at... <laughs> for this... Blake's the true north of this idea. Thank you. <laughs> Is that I like to just go all over without, the place. without Star Trek? Where would we be? Similar place that we are now. Maybe hard to say. Without condiments, yeah, we probably need condiments more than Star Trek. It just be- Star Trek's only been around since the sixties. Condiments. I mean, we wouldn't die without condiments, but would we live? Yeah. <laughs> I think I think you're right. I think Star Trek needs to go under condiments. Question. I'm yeah. fine with <laughs> If you if you if you're making like a steak and you rub rub some salt and pepper on it that would normally salt be considered. Salt and pepper is a spice. So spices are legal. Just listen to the episode. Okay. <laughs> we we it, went all over. I'm that. sorry. It's, it's there, okay. it, it was like half the episode to figure out what a condiment was. Right. I'm not sure we got it right because what I failed to bring up was condiments usually aren't eaten separately like you don't eat them alone right. 
Oh, you don't eat salt alone unless you're free. No, but that's spice. That's not. That's oh, like, you're saying I understand. No, we didn't. Anyways, I think that Star Trek does go below condiments. I think so too. And I want to say that this is as high up as a story a piece has gotten. Yeah. So notable. It is notable that it is this high up. Them some accolades. I wonder, and hopefully you weren't picking this, but if we ever do Star Wars, holy shit. Uh, <laughs> That's you know, going to We'll suck. cross that bridge when we get there. You know who'd be really good at this list is Jean-Luc. Yes. I feel like he could, he could lay it out. I was thinking... As an While archaeologist. We're, yeah, well, I was just thinking about those scenes where, like, Q puts humanity on trial. There's a lot of really good scenes where Picard has to be an attorney uh-huh. and argue his case. Yes. He would do very well at this He list. would absolutely. All right. Number 13. Strong showing. 13th best thing in, in the, the universe. In the universe. It sh- shouldn't there be, like, a smart quote from... Uh, Star Trek, you can put in right there. Probably. <laughs> Prune juice. You a warrior assimilated. Drink. Resistance is futile. Going where many men have gone before. <laughs> people. Many people. They got rid of the men before. part. They just said no one. Under condiments, above chain restaurants, Star Trek. Enshrined. At least until our 20th episode. Now, before... Recycle all this. Before I ask Amos to give me his best Jean-Luc Picard, (laughs) Mike... Yes. What are we going to be reviewing next season on Let's Review Everything? So, kind of related, but much bigger. Uh, I would like to know how television factors in. Sweet. Yep. <laughs> Blake didn't sound that enthused, but uh but what did you say? Blay. Yeah. <laughs> I got a blay. All right. Uh well just your last one was the internet. So I'm a media guy. He yeah. is a media guy. <laughs> so that's gonna be fun. Mike, it is always so much fun to have you on the podcast. We will definitely have you back again. Heck yeah. Thank you so much. I love it. Um thanks everyone for getting through this one with us. I'm sure lots of Star Trek fans appreciated it. Please let us know. Or hated it. <laughs> uh, at Review All Pod. If you have any ideas or uh, suggestions for this season, tweet at us. As usual, Amos, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome, number one. That's right. Apparently, I'm the captain right now. I'm getting into character. Why don't you give me a let's review everything in a Kirk? Let's review. Are you going to put some Star Trek music behind this? Uh, Everything. Wait. (laughs) Here you go. Let's review. Space. Fuck. The final (laughs) frontier. Or space. Let's review space. (laughs) Let's review everything. These are the voyages no, of Starship <laughs> Enterprise. These are the voyages. It's five-year like, mission. Yeah, he kind of sounds like Alan Guinness. Right new world. Come here. To seek Don't out new life. He's got that continental accent. Yeah, yeah he kind of does. We have to review everything. Space. <laughs> you. Damn you, Kirk. God. <laughs> All right, there we are. Goodbye. These are Let's the voyages of the Starship Voyage. Enterprise. Everywhere. It's five-year mission. 